Each of the communities that invest in community broadband solutions is going to be slightly different. It's going to be about uh, negotiating those very specific local conditions that will make the project successful. This is episode 248 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. In March, we shared the news about Lancaster, Pennsylvania's public-private partnership with Ma Communications on muninetworks.org. This week, Christopher interviews Patrick Hopkins, business administrator for the city, and Brian Kelly, operations director at Ma Communications. In the interview, you'll hear about the long and detailed planning for the Fiber to the Home project. You'll also hear about how both the city and this local provider found some ways to overcome specific challenges relating to the project. They each explain what drew them to this approach and some of the added benefits of Fiber to the Home in Lancaster. Check out the project website at landcityconnect.com and learn about Ma Communications at mawcom.com. Now here's Patrick Hopkins and Brian Kelly talking with Christopher about the Land City Connect project. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Patrick Hopkins, the business administrator for the city of Lancaster. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. And we also have Brian Kelly, the operations director at Mall Communications, a small private company that serves the region. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having us. So, Patrick, I I thought I'd ask you first to just give us a short version of what's happening in Lancaster with this arrangement. Sure. Well, we're, um, you know, we're excited to to finally, I'll say, and and I'm sure we'll get into some of the history on this, but uh, working with Mall Communications on a community fiber broadband uh, system uh, called Land City Connect. We're actually beginning the the rollout of residential connections, fiber to the home connections, uh, beginning, I believe, at the beginning of, of May. Uh, those are those are being scheduled right now. We've been uh, undergoing a, a beta testing program since about early November, I believe it is, uh, with about 60 customers. Uh, we've gotten uh, Mall uh, Land City Connect has gotten great feedback uh, from those customers, and uh, we're we're excited to get this thing rolling. Wonderful. And and Brian, do you have anything to add in terms of a short overview of what we're going to be talking about here? Uh, no, I think Patrick summed it up. It's uh, it's a really exciting time um, uh, with the launch of Land City Connect and the kind of possibilities and the buzz that's happening locally around this is uh, has been really encouraging as folks are really interested in. Um, being part of a local broadband solution. I want to paint a little picture for our listeners that, that haven't been out there. As I, as I told you, uh, Patrick, I played my first soccer tournament in Lancaster growing up in the Lehigh Valley. So, uh, But for people who haven't been there, uh, what's Lancaster like? The city of Lancaster, uh, we've got a population of about 60,000, uh, very compact. We're, we're officially about 7.4 square miles. So 60,000 people in that uh, in that small area, but actually most, probably 95% of the residents are within about a four square mile area. Nice, compact, uh, very urban city, uh, just in terms of the, again, about 90% of our homes are row homes or uh, just barely disconnected homes. We'll probably talk about it later, but it's a real advantage when we're talking about uh, rolling out uh, fiber backbone across the city. But we're about 75 miles west of uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Lancaster County itself has a population of about 530,000. So the city is about, you know, about 10% of the of the total population of the county. Um, we're surrounded by, I guess, a metro area of about probably 150, 175,000. But the city itself is is 60,000 people. 
And aside from Maw, you have, I presume, a cable and DSL service? Uh, yes, we do. Okay. I always like to establish that because sometimes people assume communities that are engaging in either their own investment or partnerships have nothing. But uh, you already have something. You're looking for something better, I would guess. Yes, that is correct. And let's turn to Brian and, and learn a little bit about what's uh, what's Ma's background? So Ma Communications is in its 19th year of business. We're a uh, registered Pennsylvania public utility here in the state of Pennsylvania. And uh, for most of the beginning of our uh, existence, we focused on larger institutional clients, governmental, healthcare, education, uh, larger enterprises with multiple locations that needed to be connected. Uh, and so this emerging partnership with the city is an expansion of that um, kind of uh, core broadband service uh, and looking at the expansion to residential services. So is serving a lot of homes and even smaller businesses something that's kind of new for you then? Uh, yes, yeah, for for Ma Communications, that's part of what the the whole uh, partnership with the city of Lancaster has been is actually scaling up that uh, component of the uh, uh, of the partnership. Well, let's talk a little bit about how that partnership began. Uh, uh, Patrick, can you give us a little bit of background? We've been talking uh, with Mall Communications for probably about ten years. Uh, I think I think probably our first conversation with. Uh, Frank Wiskowski, who's the president of Mall Communications, uh, dates back to sometime in 2006 or early 2007. So we've had sort of on and off again uh, conversations about sort of various fiber possibilities, um, anything from providing uh, public Wi-Fi in, in public spaces and public parks, uh, and then sort of over a period of years, uh, as the city got some things in order, both financially and operationally, uh, more recently, those conversations turned to uh, doing a uh, fiber broadband throughout the city. And really what we're doing is um, leveraging some investment that we needed to make anyway in uh, an automatic meter reading system. We also uh, we, we provide water uh, services to the city of Lancaster and the surrounding suburban areas. So we had some other investment that we were uh, looking to do in terms of uh, interconnection of traffic signals and this uh, automatic meter reading system, that conversation sort of continued to grow into what's now, you know, the creation of Land City Connect as sort of a, a bit of an offshoot of some of this other uh, fiber infrastructure that we talked about. And Brian, I'm, I would love to hear, you know, if there's any other details about the, the working together with the city, how it came to be that you'd like to contribute. Yeah, I mean, the partnership has been going well. And as Patrick mentioned, it's really been evolving uh, over time. Um, one of the things that um, uh, is really nice about this is that there's multiple needs that are being met um, through this. And so then that's one of the things Ma really likes to pride itself on is kind of looking at, oh, so we're looking at the uh, automated meter infrastructure. We're looking at traffic signals. Um, we're looking at potentially Wi-Fi hotspots, um, all of this integration, and then looking at, oh, well, once we're already investing there, there's really only marginal additional cost in connecting residents. So how can we get the most bang for our buck, if you will, uh, in this infrastructure investment? So we've been really uh, pleased with being able to work with the city and helping to develop this. Brian, I'm curious if you can just say a few words about what it's like to be 
working with the city, um, you know, perhaps uh, pros and cons. Um, you know, I'm sure that no one's going to pretend it's everything. Anything is all easy. Um, but the reason I ask is a lot of telecommunications carriers, uh, the larger ones, especially some of the smaller ones, um, are reluctant or, or prefer not to work with cities. And I'm just curious if you can tell us why you thought it would be a good idea to and how that's uh, sort of working out. Yeah, it's definitely, there's definitely pros and cons to that type of relationship. And um, I think one of the one of Ma's reasons for entering into an arrangement like this is more of our ethic, which is we're not interested in being uh, what we consider a jack, just another carrier. <laughs> um, we are kind of interested in what is the innovation in this industry and what is the added value to the communities in which we operate. So we're based in Pennsylvania. We're uh, going to be on, uh, specifically in uh, southeastern Pennsylvania, and our focus is on trying to make sure that we have as much added value um, as possible. And so working with the city to solve its multiple dilemmas is an engineer's dream. We like to consider ourselves problem solvers. The problem that we're uh, solving is often figuring out how to trans, uh, how to get data moving from one point to another, but uh, a much bigger way, especially in the information age, we're excited about this process of how that is really moving society forward. In terms of working with cities, I think one of the uh, really great ways that um, I've seen that the city of Lancaster, they're actually together as a unit um, moving something forward. So I've worked in a couple of other, other cities um, outside of my relationship with Ma, and oftentimes with municipalities, you can see a lot of discord internally and kind of uh, competing policy uh, objectives. So uh, one thing that's been nice about the partnership with the city of Lancaster is they've been very clear about some of their basic ethics and um, policy uh, principles in how we're rolling out Land City and what they wanted to achieve. And that's been really refreshing on our end. I think some of the difficulties is because it's a larger bureaucracy and um, those tend to be slower to change, then sometimes we want to move faster than a bureaucracy is ready to move. Or as we dig a little bit deeper, that means that the um, exact output is going to change over time. So that's one of the kind of pluses and minuses is this evolving project. That's that strikes a chord with what I've seen, uh, both from providers and cities. And Patrick, I'm I'm curious if you can perhaps comment on two aspects of that. The first is having a comprehensive vision and sense of where you want to go, and the second would be once you've had it, communicating it and sticking to it. Uh, can you tell us anything about how the the cities accomplish this? Neither of them have come about easily. That's for sure. Um, I mean, I, th I think part of the thing that we that we benefit from is that um, you know Mayor Gray, who's our our current mayor, has been in office since 2006, uh, and and really we did start these conversations with Maul not too long after he took office. I came in at the same time. Our public works director uh, had actually uh, been with the city of Lancaster earlier. The mayor's chief of staff came in uh, when Mayor Gray came into office. And over that time, as I described the, the relationship that we built with Maul over time, um, you know, we, we also saw some of the things that, that Brian saw in terms of some of the new opportunities that we had, new challenges that we had to try to tie together. Um, we've got multiple locations in the city, multiple, you know, city of Lancaster locations uh, in the city. We've got traffic signals all over the place. We have 100 and about 110 miles of city streets. So we have a lot of signalized intersections. We have... Uh, a county government that's uh, whose main operation is about three blocks away from us, 
and we actually have a shared services agreement uh, with them for file serving, and we have some of our, our ERP system is actually located there. So we have some interconnection with the county government that's, that's also part of this. So over that 10 to 12-year period, it's been an evolving project and, and sort of breaking down some of the silos uh, that existed when, uh, when the mayor came into office in 2006. That's frankly part of why this has taken so long. And, and then sort of the community outreach part has been much more recent. The, the sort of external part of this project has been much more recent. But we've been able to uh, keep our city council apprised sort of all the way through the project, try to provide as much transparency in the in the project itself to city council and to the extent possible also to the public we've sort of built up the momentum for what has ultimately become land city connect but even that the term land city connect i think is what brian about nine months old something like that um so nine months out of you know a 10-year project Since we were just touching on some of the, the benefits that are coming from this, I, I'm wondering if you can share some of the, the cost savings that you've already seen and are expecting uh, from this. And, and also, I would, I would just wonder, I mean, how much of this would come from not just the presence of fiber that you have access to, but also from the engineering benefits that you're getting from working with Ma? You know, obviously, we have uh, our own Internet services right now that we would have a savings. I think we're, we're talking in total among a couple of different buildings um, about thirty-five dollars or $40,000 a year. That's sort of an easy one um, to sort of put a number to. The, the more complicated stuff to, to put a number to is things like the interconnection of our traffic signal system. You know, we have uh, some interconnect with, those, uh, with that traffic signal system now, but not nearly the benefit that we'll have out of the fiber interconnection. So there's not necessarily a direct cost savings that I can say we're going to reduce cost by X, but we know that uh, we'll be able to operate more efficiently, provide better service to you know, folks who are, who are driving through the city, and, and there's a lot of them. Um, on the AMR system, the automatic meter reading system, Right now, we, we read our water meters uh, for residential properties once every three months. Uh, with this AMR system and the, and the speed and reliability that we'll have out of the, the fiber interconnection, we'll be able to read meters literally like 10 or 15 times a day if we need to, which means that we can provide better service to customers because we can detect leaks at their property that they might not even know about. Um, so some of this is a dollar savings, but but also a lot of it is really just a, an improvement in services that we're going to be able to provide. So to the extent that that, you know, not necessarily saves the city government a lot of money, um, but it, it can save residents an awful lot of uh, money and, and heartache. The other piece of this is that we have, um, unlike a lot of municipalities, we have a camera system that's operated by a nonprofit organization that operates in the city. They have about 165 uh, security cameras throughout the city. Part of this project has been helping to upgrade the fiber infrastructure that they have so that ultimately we can flip those cameras over to uh, operating off of the, the fiber backbone that's been installed by Mall. And that's, you know, before we even get into the Land City Connect services. So, you know, we, we expect with the internet service savings, uh, some of the staff savings that we'll have from the AMR system and others that we're going to see, you know, annual savings of probably 150 to $200,000 a year 
And, and again, that doesn't count some of these other sort of operational savings and, and efficiencies that we're going to gain. Brian, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, I think the other part of your question, though, was around the engineering component. And uh, I think that from Ma's perspective, I think that's one of the kind of been the most fascinating part of this is we're, we're systems integrators in a way. And so all of these uh, different things that Patrick just talked about could all be analyzed separately. Um, and there could be some, uh, some solutions for improving, re- reducing costs or improving the operations. But then once we started integrating them all into one comprehensive system and looking at um, uh, distributing information through a passive optical network, then it opened up new possibilities um, around that. So I think that was one of the kind of exciting things about uh, working on this project with the city was getting to lump all of these together and see could we actually create a scaled solution. So I think with um, some of the, a little bit of the time we have left, um, I would like to just uh, get a sense of the fiber to the home plan. How is it working? Um, let's just uh, start with Patrick and just uh, give us a thumbnail sketch of, of the moving parts, please. In about, I believe, the beginning of November or so, began the Land City Connect beta program, which was a connection of uh, about 55 or 60 residential properties throughout the city. Part of it was just a proof of concept to make sure that the network speeds, the traffic, and everything was uh, was operating the way that the way that Mall designed it. And they, you know, ran into some hiccups along the way and and some corrections that needed to be made. With each of the residents who have been connected to through the beta program, they've done surveys throughout. So I I think somewhere in the neighborhood of probably uh, ten to a dozen surveys along the way for folks to test their wired speeds, their uh, wireless speeds, and, and a number of other things, uh, you know, throughout, including the the customer service level of the folks who came out to make the fiber to the home connection to the exterior of the property, folks who came inside the property to, to get the fiber inside, connect the modem, and, and get the uh, router and everything set up. So, you know, and through that process, everybody has, has learned some things, uh, and part of that was not just figuring out the networking piece and making sure that the speeds that everybody expected to be there were there, but also how best to do the installations. Uh, We've got, as I described earlier, a very compact city. We've got a lot of row homes. Um, It makes the sort of bang for the buck in terms of, uh, you know, a a mile of fiber goes a long way in the city of Lancaster to connect to a lot of properties. But it's also not the easiest thing in the world to work around sort of uh, row home properties and figuring out which is the best way to get into the property with the fiber. So, you know, there are a lot of a lot of lessons learned throughout the last uh, four months, I guess. And now we're at the point where uh, Mall is scheduling, uh, Land City Connect is scheduling the, the first phase of the residential connections in two areas of the city. We've got to sort of phase this project along. The, the timing of the phases is really based on, you know, the, the capability that will be there with Land City Connect install crew, installation crews to sort of roll this out throughout the city. We would love to have lit up everybody at the same time, but as you're running uh, fiber connections to several thousand properties, that just isn't, wasn't the case. So we have some folks who have been chomping at the bit for, well, I'd say a couple years really since we first announced this project. They're all ready to go and they're, gonna, they're in phase one. Other folks are going to have to wait a little while, but um, I think as this starts to roll out and we get some word of mouth on the street for people who 
uh, have been connected with Land City Connect, that uh, the, the momentum of, the, of this will keep on growing. Well, I have no doubt because when I look at the the pricing sheet, <laughs> you're looking at uh, $35 a month for 50 megabits, uh, $50 a month for 150 megabits. Uh, it's pretty remarkable pricing. Uh, you know, Brian, uh, I guess you know as we're talking about money, one of the things I'm I'm curious about is uh, the um, the cost of building a network like this. You're you're getting a, a loan from the city and that that you'll be paying back over a period of time with revenue from the network. But I presume that you also have to bring in some of your own money as part of that? Oh, most definitely. I mean, we already have um, kind of several hundred thousand dollars invested in the scaling up here. And I mean, you bring up an interesting point, which is that the economics of residential fiber to the home installations is it's not super promising. There's not a whole lot of people kind of diving in because of the profit margins that can be made in that uh, particular industry. One of the ways that this was made uh, cost-effective was because of the uh, investment that the city was already making in a substantial amount of the fiber, and then we were able to kind of work off of that core backbone. Uh, so that was uh, that was a critical element in the success of this this rollout. I think one of the other things, uh, as Patrick mentioned, we're kind of we're launching at a pretty aggressive rate, and so we're hoping to to sign up um, about 3,000 customers over the next 18 months, which is, we consider ambitious, but definitely achievable. Uh, so we had a lot of folks who wanted to sign up, like Patrick said. We we asked folks, well, what, what day would you like? They said, well, the first day of installation at 8 a.m. Everybody wants to be the first in the city <laughs> to, be, to, be, to be connected. <laughs> we were like, there's uh, over 50 requests for that same day. <laughs> we are like, well, that, that, that's not possible, but... Uh, we we are going to be lighting them up. That, that's a problem a of physics and, uh, that even Maul can't overcome. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And so I just wanted to note, we have uh, an article on the website uh, that we entitled uh, Public-Private Partnership Pursued in Pennsylvania. So if anyone wants to put a bunch of P's into Google uh, or I, go to the... the I, I liked the alliteration. That was nice. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we have more of the details about the financing spelled out there. Um, but I wanted to end with a, a question just um, in terms of how both of you are seeing it. Now, from the perspective of my organization, uh, we're always concerned in public-private partnerships where we might see a situation in which the public gets invested and then the partner uh, ends up uh, changing hands, um, being purchased by a, a larger company um, or you know somehow uh, not maintaining that, that that original great service that was promised. And I'm just curious if, if maybe Brian, you can start and give me a sense of why we should um, why uh, why another community that might be looking at this model should trust more, and then uh, we'll turn to Patrick. I think to just get a perspective of how you're thinking about this risk. Sure. So uh, for other communities outside of Pennsylvania, they can make the decision to trust more or not, but we won't really be partnering with them. So we'll, <laughs> we'll be staying in Pennsylvania. So anyone who's in Pennsylvania wants to contact more. That's a different story. Part of it is our company ethics, right? So uh, the city was very clear in some of its initial policy priorities. Uh, making sure that as we continue to grow, we were going to be doing local contracting with uh, with firms in Lancaster, and then also as we scaled up, uh, creating full-time uh, living wage jobs for residents in the city of Lancaster. So that's all kind of like part of their ethic and something that we consider as a local company, uh, something that's important to us as well. Uh, so any economy is based on the interaction of all of the uh, of those local actors. And so that was a, a really important piece. And then... Um, 
And Patrick and the city of Lancaster in doing their due diligence was making sure that, whoa, <laughs> asking those exact questions that you asked, how do we know that we can trust Ma? Even though these guys seem like nice guys, let's make sure in these agreements <laughs> that nothing can happen. And so then there's a lot of language in the loan agreements and then also in the in the public-private partnership that gives the city that leverage of, of making sure that that mall can actually kind of turn around and walk away from the city and say, oh, that was nice, bye. We're looking at it as kind of this long-term uh, partnership that's being developed. In them. But I think that, uh, especially for anyone listening to this podcast, especially folks on the municipal side of things, that's those are really important questions to ask is, where is this company going? Have they are they just starting up? Is this a one or two year company? In which case, you want to re- you you really want to kind of do some kind of uh, some serious vetting about capacity and their ability to stick around. Uh, in our case, we've been around for 18 years. We were able to kind of consistently show and deliver to the city on various uh, milestones, which is where they kind of develop that confidence over time. And as Patrick said, this is a process in the making. So it wasn't that one day they said, "Oh, let's do this." Oh, Ma, that's a nice shiny. Uh, organization less partner they were you know over the over the course of the last few years we were consistently developing that relationship and kind of seeing how this would develop yeah I, I think Brian covered that really well I mean our you know we we operate under the adage of uh, trust but verify so as Brian said we've had you know over that period of years built up a relationship understood uh, you know the capabilities that Ma had on the on the technical side and the engineering side of all this Frankly, it, it sort of comes down to uh, getting language in agreements that, for instance, our, our, the first agreement that we had with Maul essentially has a, a clause that says that if, if any of the infrastructure that we, that we build in this partnership, if Maul were to be sold, the services that we built with the, that infrastructure, this, this agreement carries forward to the, to the buyer of Maul. So, you know, we had to build in protections there because, you know, anything can happen at any point in time. So we had to make sure that our, you know, our attorneys reviewed. We had attorneys, not just our city solicitor, but folks who were involved uh, on the telecommunications law, uh, review all of the agreements to make sure that we had, you know, we had, we had protections in there for the city because for, for, for the city itself and, and our taxpayers, we're, you know, we're making a significant investment in this infrastructure. So we want to make sure that we're not going to be uh, sitting here five years down the road or eight years down the road and having made all that infrastructure investment and then be stuck with a system that is operated by somebody that we don't have a good relationship with. So, and then we get to the, the loan documentation side or providing a, the operating capital loan to MAW to sort of ramp up the Land City Connect operation made sense to us because the collateral that we have on that loan is the fiber infrastructure itself. So we, we sort of have things locked down so that at any point in this whole operation, let's say if, the, you know, for whatever reason, something, you know, happens that the, the operation is not successful. There's a loan that we've made to Mall, but the city of Lancaster has the fiber infrastructure as collateral. So, you know, we've we've got a good trusting relationship that we've built over a period of years, but we think we also have the good legal documentation to back that relationship up. Great. Well, is there anything that either one of you would like to add as we just conclude the show? Come back and check us out six months or or uh, twelve months down the road and and see how we're doing. We we hope that we've got a thousand or more residential connections uh, made and and that more of our residents see the see the benefit of this infrastructure investment. 
And Brian? Kind of one uh, suggestion, especially for other communities that might be uh, thinking about this, is that each of the communities that invest in community broadband solutions is going to be slightly different. So I would just encourage folks to kind of stay open to possibilities and not think that you can just grab a model from elsewhere and put it, uh, you know, wholesale in your own community. It's going to be about uh, negotiating those very specific local um, conditions that will make the project successful. Right. Yeah, I, I would wholly endorse those uh, comments. Uh, well, thank you very much, both of you, for taking uh, all the time today to speak with us. Sure. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having us. And I look forward to talking to you in uh, maybe a year's time, uh, maybe on Maw Fiber itself. So thank you very much. Thanks, thank sir. you. Bye-bye. That was Christopher talking with Patrick Hopkins, Business Administrator for the City of Lancaster, and Brian Kelly, Operations Director at Maw Communications. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to thank you for listening and, and helping out uh, to create a, a stronger internet ecosystem, making sure everyone has high-quality access. Uh, please tell your friends, tell others who might be interested about this show. Uh, if you have a chance to rate us on iTunes, uh, please do. Several people already have. Uh, we really appreciate all of the comments, and we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. We have transcripts for this and other Community Broadband Bits podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Send us your ideas for the show. Shoot us a note at podcast at muninetworks.org. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. You can also follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter where the handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and all of the podcasts in the ILSR family on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We want to thank Break the Bands for the song Escape, licensed through Creative Commons, and we want to thank you for listening to episode 248 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Everybody.